0: Get to the bottom of what's truly healthy in this crazy, complex world, so you can take back what is rightfully yours. Welcome to the Health Sovereign Podcast. This is your host, Logan Christopher. Welcome back. We have another round of my readings of the medical monopoly musings. This time we're covering remdesivir and hydroxychloroquine. More topical of a topic than I've done with my medical Monopoly Musings. And part of the reason for that is that often it takes time to really reveal what is going on. And over time, we'll probably find out even more about this. But with what was going on, I felt this was worth diving into. I saw some information, figured I would dig deeper. And wow, this is very important stuff and so blatant. I'll have some more comments after we get through these here. So let's dive in. Medical Monopoly Musings, number 44. Remdesivir, poor science and conflicts of interest. Remdesivir is an intravenous antiviral drug being used for the novel coronavirus. It is produced by Gilead Sciences. Pharmaceutical companies tend to have very high profit margins. When more than 10% profit is considered good, Gilead had over profits in 2015 on $32.6 billion. With the novel coronavirus, the drug companies have been rushing to cash in. (laughs) Save lives. The NIAID study showed that those patients with COVID-19 taking remdesivir improved in recovery time and discharge from the hospital, down from 15 days to 11 days. However, the survival difference between remdesivir patients and placebo control was not statistically significant, 8% versus 11.6%. Meanwhile, a Chinese study published earlier at the end of April did not find any statistically significant clinical improvement. Here, 14% of remdesivir patients died while 13% on placebo did, though again, not statistically significant. Christopher Rowland of the Washington Post wrote, Fauci said the results were modest, but lacking any other treatments, he proclaimed the drug the standard of care for hospitalized coronavirus patients. Full results of the trial have not been released, and many questions about the drug's effectiveness remain unanswered. The standard of care based on a press release and an interview. On May 1st, the FDA issued emergency use authorization for remdesivir for treating COVID-19. Over three weeks later, on May 22nd, the full study and data was finally released. Turns out the results for faster recovery time were only for a subgroup, those also receiving supplementary oxygen. Furthermore, they also changed the primary outcome during the trial from number of deaths to recovery time while the trials were ongoing, though those who changed it said they didn't have access to the data. The study concludes... These preliminary findings support the use of remdesivir for patients who are hospitalized with COVID-19 and require supplemental oxygen therapy. However, given high mortality despite the use of remdesivir, it is clear that treatment with an antiviral drug alone is not likely to be sufficient. At the time of writing, there are numerous other trials with remdesivir in progress. Early on, Gilead pledged to donate 1.5 million doses of the drug. Beyond that, in an independent organization estimated that Gilead could be charging up to 4500 per patient for the drug on something that is estimated to cost $1 per dose. What is $4,500 more when the average coronavirus hospital bill is $30,000, especially since few patients are paying out of pocket? So at best, the drug has a modest effect. At worst, it has some negative side effects that were dropping people out of the trials. But wait. There's more. As I've established over the course of this series, conflicts of interest are often at the root of controversies of the medical monopoly. Here is no different. Investigative journalist Cheryl Atkinson said, when it comes to money, we checked financial ties among experts on the government panel devising coronavirus treatment guidelines, which had the effect of dialing back hydroxychloroquine use and giving an edge to remdesivir. We found that, Of 11 members reporting links to a drug company, nine of them named relationship to remdesivir's maker, Gilead. Seven more, including two of the committee's leaders, have ties to Gilead beyond the 11 months they had to disclose. Two were on Gilead's advisory board. Others were paid consultants or received research support in honoraria. There are other conflicts, but Gilead is by far the leader. Isn't it interesting that the only approved drug happens to come from this company? Just a coincidence, right? To give perspective on how conflicts of interest work on government panels, we can look at the criminal case of Phiox and similar drugs. The FDA's 2005 advisory board had 32 advisors, 10 of which had conflicts of interest with the drugs maker Merck. The board voted to keep these dangerous drugs on the market, but had these conflicted members not been involved, the vote would have gone the other way. Eight of these ten said that their ties did not alter their votes. At least two were honest about it. Next time we'll turn to the even more controversial hydroxychloroquine, which is off-patent and very cheap in comparison. Never has science become so politicized with a media barrage involved. Medical Monopoly Musings, number 43. Hydroxychloroquine, Poor Science, and Conflicts of Interest. Last time we covered the drug remdesivir for COVID-19 and how this was bound to conflicts of interest with the drug makers Gilead in the approving committee, as well as some questionable signs on whether it worked. Now we turn to hydroxychloroquine, which was notably promoted by President Trump. In this case, we'll cover the drug in the same way as the previous one, looking at signs and conflicts of interest. The crazy thing is it is not possible to have this conversation in a balanced way anymore as politics is more polarized than ever. Personally, I am critical of lots of Trump's actions and words, but unlike many, I am not blinded by 100% hatred for the man. There are some things he does and says that I do agree with. Trump was not the first one to talk about hydroxychloroquine. This was recommended by scientists across the world, first and foremost by French doctor Didier Raoult, who said, we know how to cure the disease. One study touted by the media in the USA was done at the VA, showing that more people died when taking hydroxychloroquine. But there were flaws in this study. As a retrospective study, it wasn't randomized. More importantly, sicker patients were put into the treatment group, which would then make sense as to why they died more. An influential study was published in The Lancet showing hydroxychloroquine increased mortality, which seemed to be the death knell for this drug, so much so that The Who paused its other ongoing trials of the drug, which were later resumed. This led many to claim that Trump's disinformation was killing people. Yet this study was later retracted when the company behind the data, Surgisphere, wouldn't share said data. They were behind another New England Journal of Medicine paper that got retracted for the same reason, though this one looked at ACE inhibitors, not hydroxychloroquine. Looking deeper, these are the only studies this company's data has ever been used for. According to LinkedIn, they only had five employees. Checking at the time of writing this, the number has gone down to two. Prior to February of this year, the company only had one employee, the founder, Dr. Desai, who has had malpractice suits against him. The URL for the company has been excluded from the Internet Archive Wayback Machine. This is highly unusual. In fact, I've never seen any site disappear from it before. There is much more controversy behind this company and its founder, which you can find in the references. In other words, Surgisphere appears to be a shell company whose sole aims appeared to be to make hydroxychloroquine look bad. So who was behind it? One thing we find is that the Lancet's paper lead author Dr. Mandeep Mehra has a long list of drug and medical company conflicts. He has personal fees from Abbott, Medtronic, Janssen, Mesoblast, Portola, Bayer, BAME Institute for Clinical Research, Newpole CV, Fineheart, Leviticus, Royvant, and Triple Gene. This study was supported by Brigham and Women's Hospital, where they were also doing remdesivir studies with over 1,000 patients, for which they're receiving funding from Gilead. Yes, there are still more studies that show no benefit. Many of these don't use zinc, which is said to open the cellular pathway to allow hydroxychloroquine into the cells to work. Dr. Anthony Cardillo said, Hydroxychloroquine really only works in conjunction with zinc. Every patient I have prescribed it to has been very, very ill, and within 8 to 12 hours, they were basically symptom-free, and so clinically, I am seeing a resolution." Importantly, there are many studies that do show benefits with little to no risk. A public Google document titled Sequential Chloroquine-Hydroxychloroquine Research Papers and Reports January to April 20th, 2020 Executive Summary Interpretation of the Data in this report shows more than 20 trials from across the world. They state... The HCQAZ combination, an antibiotic also used in combination, when started immediately after diagnosis appears to be a safe and efficient treatment for COVID-19 with a mortality rate of 0.5% in elderly patients. It avoids worsening and clears virus persistence and contagious infectivity in most cases. Doctors across the world are saying it does work. What about Trump's conflict of interest for hydroxychloroquine? A big hubbub was made of this. New York Times reported Mr. Trump himself has a small personal financial interest in Sanofi, the French drug maker that makes Plaquenil the brand name version of hydroxychloroquine. As of last year, Mr. Trump reported that his three family trusts each had investments in a Dodge and Cox mutual fund, whose largest holding was in Sanofi. Mutual funds own lots of stocks. For this reason, mutual funds are exempt from conflicts of interest laws. Not that that makes it impossible for them to be a problem. Yet his stake in Sanofi is no more than $1,500. More importantly, hydroxychloroquine is off patent. While Sanofi makes it, so do other companies. And it's dirt cheap, especially compared to the new patented remdesivir. Meanwhile, all of New York Times articles I've seen have been silent regarding the conflicts of interest behind the approval of remdesivir. This is how science is done in our modern world. While most of the time, bad science hides in the shadows, this is one of the most blatant examples I've seen. Too bad our news cycle has moved on, so the people aren't thinking about this anymore. Few and far between will hear this story, remdesivir is still the standard of care being promoted. Yet some are fighting back. The Association of American Physicians and Surgeons has sued the FDA, Health and Human Services, and BARDA over this to end the irrational interference. One more personal thought. It's all misdirection. What is the drug that will save us? Notice how the entire scientific, political, and medical conversation is on this drug, that drug, or the vaccines. Notice how nothing is mentioned about any of the important aspects of health. I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing drug trials and find those that can help. That's all well and good. But if it really were about health and saving people, we'd be talking about much else. There are plenty of trials showing common nutrients are working for this disease. Zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, phytonutrients, etc. Even Google is censoring these topics. As CEO of YouTube said they will remove information that is problematic, including anything that is medically unsubstantiated, such as take vitamin C, take turmeric. Anything that would go against WHO guidelines, we will be taking those down. Since writing these, I ended up doing a bit more digging, as this is a story that is still unfolding. And I'm going to read some of that additional writing here. As science goes, more research is being done. There's good, legitimate research, and then there's agenda-driven research. Here's some new data I didn't cover before on the latter. On June 15th, the FDA revoked emergency use authorization of HCQ and CQ. FDA has concluded that based on this new information and other information discussed in the attached memorandum, it is no longer reasonable to believe that oral formulations of HCQ and CQ may be effective in treating COVID-19, nor is it reasonable to believe that the known and potential benefits of these products outweigh their known and potential risks. So let's look at some of that agenda-driven science. Two of the main ones are the WHO's Solidarity trials and the UK's Recovery trial. The problem is that these trials are using excessive, deadly doses. The WHO's own information shows this. A 1979 paper by consultant H. Winnegar mentions that 1.5 to 2 grams of hydroxychloroquine may be fatal. Around this amount is what is being used, the Recovery trial specifically 2.4 grams in the first day. Meanwhile, the French doctor, Raoul, was using 600 milligrams daily for up to 10 days with his patients. Of 1,061 COVID-19 patients all over 74 years old, only 8 died, a mortality rate of 0.75%. Meryl Nass, MD, says, excessive, dangerous HCQ dosing continues to be used in WHO's solidarity trials. These trials are not, in fact, testing the benefits of HCQ on COVID-19, but rather are testing whether patients survive toxic, non-therapeutic doses. Only when this information was repeatedly pointed out was the hydroxychloroquine arm of the trial stopped. They did it without announcing this information. So let's think about this for a second. Do you think these were honest mistakes? It was just an accident to use massive doses of a drug that has been widely used for decades safely at lower doses, out of the blue? Or do you think that they set out to prove that hydroxychloroquine did not work so that Gilead could make money off of remdesivir now and that a vaccine later on becomes the savior? As you might expect by this point, the Gates Foundation is implicated in this research, along with the Wellcome Trust for funding the recovery trial. As for the WHO trial, well, Gates is now the number one financial backer of the WHO. Understand what this means. They were not only allowing people to die from COVID-19 due to poorly treating them, but they were in fact killing people by purposefully overdosing them on drugs, all to prove this drug doesn't work so that their agendas move forward. So I've found myself in what feels to me like an awkward place these past couple of weeks. I'm defending Trump. Which I, I don't really like the man. I do not agree with a large part of what he says or does. Uh, but that doesn't mean I believe everything he does is wrong as some people seem to. And here I'm also defending a drug, and for the most part... Uh, If you've listened to past episodes, I think there are much better solutions out there. But I've said somewhere between 1% and 10% of drugs do have their place, especially for sicker people. When that is necessary, that may be good. And it looks like hydroxychloroquine is one of those in this case. So I find myself in that odd position having to talk about this. But let's look at this. And you can go to the show notes on this episode, references for every single thing I've said here, backed up, you can go look at the science yourself, and I do recommend you do that, that's the only way to know for sure, but we think about that Lancet study, literally made up data from out of thin air, someone did that for a reason, there's no like, this was a mistake, the Lancet publishing it, sure, that could be a mistake, not saying they were necessarily involved in there, uh, but the people behind that. So why did they do this? Obviously, it was to show that hydroxychloroquine does not work, in fact, was killing people. That was the purpose of that made-up data. Who was behind that? If we look at the like lowest-level conspiracy, was it Gilead because they were up against remdesivir and they wanted to have their drug that they can make money off of? Um, I suppose that is possible, but I think we have to look at the even bigger picture here of what they're trying to do, because treatment of COVID-19 can't be successful for a lot of these bigger agenda items. So if something was successful right out of the gate, and that was just spread, then we could go back to normal. Not the new normal, but back to the previous normal, and that can't be allowed because of the agendas that want to be moved forward. So that study was completely made up. And then these other studies, they're not able to make up data, wouldn't be able to fly in the same sort of way after that. That did understand that Lancet Journal got the WHO's trial to stop doing it, but then after it got retracted, they had to reopen that study. But then here, they're using excessive doses that are literally killing people. And as I said in there, this drug has been used for decades, successfully for Malaria and a wide variety of other uses. People that use this know the dose. Do you think it's just a mistake that they are choosing excessive deadly doses? When the made-up data said that, oh, this drug is killing people. Big coincidences there, especially for these two biggest trials, the recovery trial and the solidarity trial, to be doing the same mistake. So we see. If you just look at the facts, there is something shady going on behind these. That I think bigger people, bigger agendas than just Gilead trying to make money off of this here. And I know for many people, if you don't dig into this, you'd have no clue. Many people hate Trump for some valid reasons, some not so valid reasons. But many people, especially out here in California, most people are liberal, think that Trump is automatically wrong about every single thing he says. So when he starts touting this drug, people assume he must be wrong. Then the liberal media, of course, jumps on that and proves why he is wrong. But in this case, he's not wrong. And there's lots of attention on it. So in order to prove him wrong, this science... an agenda has to be done. And I know that people don't want to perceive this because, well, one, it's just hard to recognize. I'm actually in a a bit of an argument with a friend of mine, smart guy, but he cannot buy that this kind of stuff goes on because really too many people have to be involved. Well, Sometimes, but really not actually that many people because of our biases and uh, the propaganda. We're all under just a a torrent of all the time. Many people just come to believe things without having to know that that's the case. So yeah, the people behind that Lancet study, the people that are deciding on the dosing for uh, these other trials, there's a few people involved that know what they're doing. Are doing these things, these dastardly deeds for whatever agenda they have, whether they're being bribed, they're being bought off, uh, various conflicts of interest involved. Who knows exactly the truth of what is going on? But it is happening. It is happening. The proof is there. This stuff is happening. This evil is being perpetrated. People purposefully being killed by drug overdoses here. You get that. It's not just about money. People are dying because of this, and they don't want any effective treatment. Do you get that? They do not want an effective treatment for COVID-19. Not yet, because the agendas really comes down to vaccines. That's the way I see it. Having researched this, they this is in a big way being used to move forward the vaccine agenda because that then is being tied into more forms of control, biosecurity and various things, restrictions on travel and whatnot. We see mandates for vaccines already being rolled out in various places or attempts at rolling them out in various places that's only gonna increase as we get closer and closer to it. And then we have Trump once again. We have Operation Warp Speed. Let's get this vaccine up and going within a year. Let's pay out billions and billions of dollars to all these pharmaceutical companies to develop it. How do I justify that position with Trump also touting hydroxychloroquine? It's a paradox. One possibility is that Trump maybe is pushing it to move faster in order to show the flaws that are there in the actual current Previous vaccine science, like no vaccine has come to market in under five years before. Here we're trying to do it in a year, year and a half, here we're trying to do it with a coronavirus that causes, in every coronavirus vaccine, attempt before causes immune enhancement, which means when you come into contact with the virus, you actually are worse off. So this rush to do it is that to shine some light in this area. suppose that's possible. But there's a lot of contradictory things here. So, once again, I'm not a huge fan of Trump. I think he is in the pocket of certain other groups. Maybe not the, the medical monopoly. Uh, though, with this vaccine thing, who's who knows? We'll see how this all plays out. But in this case, hydroxychloroquine, he seems to be right. Once again, tons of doctors, tons of scientists across the world having great success with that. Look at those studies. Look how they're done. Compare them to this agenda-driven science and how that is being done. Why would hydroxychloroquine work great in certain circumstances and not so great in others? All depends on how it is done, right? I'm sure this story will continue to unfold. More information will come to light. May not be a widespread mass public light, But if you're listening to independent channels such as this one, then you'll continue to hear details like this, uh, more details about what is working, what is not, science and fake science and all of that. So thank you for listening to this. If you want to leave some comments, head on over to the blog, healthsovereign.com. You can leave them there. And as always, I appreciate reviews on iTunes wherever you're listening to this. Help spread it around. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with other people. Uh, this issue is really important and because most people have never heard of these drugs before it's really quite easy to actually investigate yourself more data is coming so it is getting more complex but as i said all those references links are available there healthsovereign.com for this episode